Reactive attachment disorder is a condition that is not very well understood in mainstream medicine. There are different qualities to it that distinguish it from typical oppositional defiance, ADD, or anxiety. Today on Ask Dr. Gill, I want to talk more about this condition, how to distinguish it from those other ailments that we see, and why it's important in this particular case to do so. So stay tuned. Hello and welcome back to Ask Dr. Gill. I'm Dr. Gill Winkleman, your host and I have pretty much taken the summer off. I've had a, many travel plans and was hoping to have podcasts ready to go, but it didn't happen, so I apologize. And I am back in the radio seat, as it were. Um, so today I want to talk about reactive attachment disorder or RAD disorder. It's a, a big part of my practice. But more importantly, it's an aspect that I think um, is not very well understood, and it's frequently misdiagnosed. And I've written an article about this, and I decided to do a podcast as well because I know many people either don't read the website um, and prefer to listen to this. But also, uh, you know, I think it, I can cover some different aspects of it uh, as well. So that's the goal here today. And, you know, the, the thing about RAD disorder that's, that's interesting is that there are, if you, if you Google RAD disorder, you'll actually get about three or four different definitions of what it is. Um, the, the first is a mainstream medical condition, which considers it to be very rare still and affecting only about 1% of the population in the United States. I actually respectfully disagree with the mainstream medical community about that uh, and, and and their definition, though I think that they do recognize an aspect that it is rarer in biologically based parents than adoptees, and I'll get to that in a minute. So in their definition, it's more about a failure to thrive in in the child, and so then there's no bond in effect, with mother, child, or, you know, caregiver and child. The psychological definition is strictly just about that. And, um, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of a, uh, if, if you've done any psychology, there's, there's a whole theory of attachment parenting and attachment theory around that. And in effect, that's kind of another definition, and it's just about can the person form that primary bond. Now, there's a broader definition that I think is important to to explore, which is that it's not just about the inability to bond with mom or dad or whoever the primary caregiver is, but it's an inability to bond with pretty much anyone. Um, the one exception is is that we do see trauma bonding among siblings who are in abusive situations, but 
But other than that, they have no ability to bond or attach to another human being very well. And, you know, this can lead to, um, uh, you know, a mild dysfunction in life where it could look like you don't have any really close friends. Uh, you, you may not be able to handle, handle a job or a very, you know, a job that may be below your intelligence and ability level. Or it could be, you know, grow into something a lot worse, such as, uh, you know, violent behavior and sociopathic behavior. And typically, you, you, I, don't, I don't see that because by that time they're beyond help or they're, you know, they don't seek help. Um, although I have seen a little bit of that in the past. But in an ideal world, the treatment happens way before then. So, so that, that's kind of the, the nutshell of, of RAD. And, you know, it, if you go through sort of the, the um, uh, DSM definition, uh, a lot of the traits of reactive attachment disorder will look a lot like many other conditions, such as conduct disorder, intermittent explosive disorder, obsessive compulsive disorder, anxiety, and potentially autism and Asperger's. And in my article, I kind of talk about some of these. You know, you've got social interactions that, that are inappropriate with peers or adults. And, what, you know, one thing to, to, to note here is that um, you'll see younger kids bonding with a particular adult who may not be a good choice for them, um, for whatever reason, to, to bond with. You know, not, in other words, not a teacher not a parent, not a caregiver. Um, uh, oftentimes you see social avoidance. They won't play with anybody. Uh, they might not want to be comforted uh, or touched. Uh, they might attach to objects, but not people. Um, sometimes there is violence, like I said, destroying of other people's property and belongings. There, there might be lying, cheating, or stealing. Uh, there might be uh, outbursts and tantrums. And, you know, uh, breaking rules, and uh, typically they, they tend to be very defiant. Uh, now, I've, I'm telling you this list, and just hearing this, you're kind of like, well, that could be, uh, does that mean my autistic child has reactive attachment disorder? Now it doesn't. Um, uh, typically, what I see, you know, kind of the litmus test that I've, uh, uh, some of the psychologists have men mentioned to me about this, is do, do they apologize? And if a child can feel some remorse about a situation, and not when they're being, uh, you know, when there's a consequence about to happen, but actually before that point, or on their own, they'll say, hey, I'm sorry about this. And that, you know, people mess up. They, they, they'll do stuff, particularly kids. And, you know, my kids do something and they'll come to me later after they calm down and they'll say, hey, I'm really sorry. I didn't, you know, I was really upset. I didn't mean to yell and whatever it is. That's, that's an appropriate response. And in all of the other conditions I mentioned before, uh, you're going to hear that. You're going you're gonna to have them be able to come to you um, or if you sit down with them, you know, they may not be emotionally mature enough to do that. But at some point, there's some level of remorse. 
with rad that does not happen and um and that's that's kind of like a thumb in the wind test now if you suspect i'm going to just say this up up front if you suspect that your child may have rad i highly 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 recommend getting an assessment done by a qualified healthcare professional and it's i say that because i think that oftentimes parents go into denial about this situation and particularly if your kid has not hit puberty uh, it's i think really really important to get this treated early on particularly before puberty because once the hormones sort of come through and you know start sort of being part of this it can become really messy in terms of treatment and I think that uh, it's definitely a lot easier. There's a higher success rate. And, and I'll, I'll explain sort of the biochemistry of that in, in, a, in a little bit. But I highly, highly, highly recommend getting that looked at, you know, having it looked at before that. And if they've already hit puberty, you know, the sooner, the sooner you can get them in, the better for all kinds of reasons. So, so um, how common is RAD? And this is... This is sort of one of those things that is tricky to answer. And it's tricky to answer in part because we don't really have a good definition. And I think that unlike a personality disorder, you know, which, which you can't technically have until you're 18, um, it's, it's not very obvious. And I think that... Um, much like a personality disorder, people have rad traits that look like rad, but it's not necessarily full-blown rad. So, and, you know, I mean, if thinking, thinking in terms of adults for a moment, because um, rad does exist in adulthood. And there's a, there's a number of books that uh, discuss relationship issues. And there's this concept of a distancer and a, and a pursuer in relationships. Well, the distancer is the person who pushes away and doesn't like being close. And the pursuer is someone who wants to be close and tries to do that. And, you know, without getting into too much detail around that, that is a, a an aspect of, of relationships. And it's been written about and, you know, you can look up uh, various books on this. And on the surface, the distancer can look like a rad disorder. However, um, I would say that not everybody who's a distancer has rad disorder. Like, there is an aspect of radish like behavior there, but it isn't a full-blown disorder. And much like that, people can have, for example, narcissistic tendencies, but necessarily being a full-blown narcissistic personality disorder. So, so I just wanted to kind of caution things there and, you know, kind of mention that. So, so rad you know, is definitely more common in adopted kids. Uh, and some of the studies say it's as high as 45%. And, you know, we see it, um, we definitely can see it in adult families. And I think that is increasing and has been increasing over the years. But overall, I would say, you know, my experience is, is it's definitely, I see way more kids uh, who've been adopted. And Part of this, just so you know, is kind of self-selective. Self so 
um, some of the kids that I have are with bio, aunt, uncle, grandma, etc. And uh, bio mom, usually it's mom, but sometimes it's mom and dad or just dad. Uh, usually there's a drug use component here. And so as a result of that, I think we see, uh, you know, the rad issues come up because mom and or dad wasn't around for appropriate attachment, you know, and caregiving. So, so in the next part of the episode, I want to talk about how we treat rad and sort of what what I do about it from a naturopathic perspective. So stay tuned. I'll be right back. Okay, welcome back. This is Ask Dr. Gill. I'm Dr. Gill Winkleman. So Let's talk a little bit about how we treat RAD. And here's the quick thing about RAD that I, I need to say. Um, I think counseling is required with an, with an appropriate therapist who understands RAD. Um, I have treated anxiety, ADD, OCD, depression, various mental health conditions without having a therapist involved in the plan. And and it's we've looked at the biochemistry, we've done, you know, Walsh protocol, uh, we've done pyroluria testing, we've done methylation testing, we've looked at adrenals, you know, the whole the whole shebang and had successful treatment with, you know, usually it's one of those things. And I can usually figure it out with the intake. Or it's brain injury and we treat, you know, using uh, neurofeedback. And people get better. With RAD, it always requires a therapeutic intervention, psychotherapeutic intervention, every 100% of the time. And unfortunately, it is a long, arduous haul for most parents. It not only requires lots of therapeutic interventions, but it requires a very structured parenting plan. And it's it's kind of like having a German Shepherd. If you've ever had a dog, you know how the, uh, certain breeds can get unruly. And German Shepherds are one of them. And, you know, you, you definitely love them, but you can't let them get away with anything. And if you don't, and you do that, they're the most amazing dogs. And if you don't do that and you're not consistent they will be difficult. And that's kind of what, what you, you know, we deal with with reactive attachment disorder. And I think that, you know, the parenting aspect is really, really important. And that is not a role that I play as a naturopath. Um, uh, so, you know, what I do and what I think that is still important regardless because it makes the parenting issues that much easier. And by the way, that's true regardless if the kid has rad or something else. It just makes parenting easier. Uh, but I look at sort of the, the first thing we look at with rad is pyroluria. Um, I think I have a podcast about it uh, that I did earlier uh, in the year. And 
in the series, and you can find it on the website, www.askdrgill.com, A-S-K-D-R-G-I-L.com. Uh, if you're, you happen to be listening to this through iTunes Store or some, some other uh, method. But the, the pyroluria is kind of, it, it, it's, a, it's basically, it's a urine test. We, it, it represents an incomplete breakdown of red blood cells. And zinc and vitamin B6 are getting used up in the body. And this will throw the adrenal glands out of balance. But more importantly, usually there's also a copper imbalance with that. And so what happens with copper imbalance is that you get a spike in adrenaline that happens. And so this, this can explain sort of uh, the, the pushing away that happens with the rad kids. So most of the kids that I have, that I've seen with rad have pyroluria, probably about 65%. And, you know, it's an easy enough fix if you know that. Now, most of those kids also have another imbalance as well, whether it's also they have high copper concurrently, or they have a methylation issue, or they have heavy metal toxicity, or they're just adrenals are fried and need to be worked on. They have something else going on. Now, one of the curious things about RAD, and I, I write about this in this article on, on my website, is how there is almost, for the most case, no physical symptoms other than insomnia with most of these kids. Now, there is an exception to that. There's the kid who everything like makes them sick, right? So th that's a different attention-seeking strategy that I do see, but the majority of them, they have no physical ailments. And you kind of go through their history and realize how traumatic it has been. And it's like, wait, you should be, you should be having symptoms, is kind of what I thought initially. They don't have symptoms. So that's another clue, by the way, as far as um, a child potentially having reactive attachment disorder. So if you, you know, and typically, by the way, this is an adopted child. Uh, you know, you're not going to look at their, their case if it's yours and think, yeah, they had a lot of trauma. Like if he was your bio kid, although I do have patients who do come with that. And uh, I actually had a patient many, many years ago who came and it totally looked like rad at the surface. I thought it was rad. It was a biological mom. She had been... I wouldn't say addicted to painkillers, um, but she was taking them. So she was taking a fair, fairly high amount of opiates. It was, you know, controlled as far as physician, um, uh, you know, supervised type thing. She had a herniated disc, and it was just awful for her pregnancy when she was pregnant. And this kid came out, and he, you know, he was probably 11 or 12 when I started seeing him. And I thought he was rad. And I actually sent him to the specialist that I worked with at the time. And she says, no, he's not actually rad. I, she's like, I could totally see it. But he has outbursts and he apologizes. And he actually has a good relationship with mom, even though it, you, know, you don't see that in your office. And it turned out he, he was, he was overmethylated. So we treated that. He didn't have pyroluria, by the way. We treated the overmethylation. And lo and behold, he was, you know, started doing much better in school you know, more energetic and, and that sort of thing. But he also really didn't have any symptoms. So it was kind of curious. And after we treated him, he started having symptoms. Um, 
So just, just one of those things. I mean, there's no hard and fast rules. It's important to kind of pay attention to that and, and kind of look at it. So, so the last thing that I wanted to mention is neurofeedback. Um, there's different types of neurofeedback. I think I mentioned, and I have a podcast about this too, and I may do another one um, about it because I've had some other questions come in that maybe I didn't answer very well in the last podcast. Um, but neurofeedback, I use Lens Low Energy Neurofeedback System. Very, very good for treating, um, for treating RAD in certain circumstances. And there's really no one-size-fits-all in terms of the neurofeedback. There's a new system called Neurofield that I haven't used, but I've heard people are getting amazing results with in treatment of RAD. So that's another thing to look at. Um, and if you have questions, feel free to send them over to me. It's info, info at askdrgill.com. That's all I have this week. Um, if you have questions, send it to that email. Or if you have a topic you want me to cover, send it to there as well. So look forward to seeing you guys next time. And I will talk to you then. Take care.